The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Bibles, Mark chapter 1. This week, in preparing um, for my anniversary, I've been eating meat, just conditioning my body because my wife wants to go to a Brazilian barbecue thing for our anniversary. And I said, babe, I've been eating kale chips and mushroom salads for four months, and I sprinkled in fish and chicken. What's at this Brazilian place? And she just said, it's endless meat. So I had pork once this week, and then last night I had steak, and I feel really good about life right now. Uh, and this morning, I'm, I need to ask you something, though. And if you didn't grow up Jewish, which I don't know how many of you did, this might not make sense, but... But, but there's this thing in the Old Testament, there's bacon, birds of prey, owls, eagles, etc., rodents, dead things, and then other bodily fluids related to the sexual experience, and they're in this category in the Bible. It's one category, it's called unclean. I bet you didn't think you were going to be talking about bodily discharges with Jesus today, but we are. Because we're talking about leprosy in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. And I I don't want us to miss what Jesus is coming after here. He's talking about things that are clean and things that are unclean. I want you to be clean. So we're going to pray. We're going to figure out how to get squeaky clean with Jesus. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to understand that, that, Lord, for one moment of today, we could understand that when we come into your word, it's not just approaching a textbook, but we are literally hopping on a virtual airplane and flying to a different culture. And sometimes, God, it's so hard to see how or why a culture operates the way that it does. Even today, just going around the globe, Lord. It's, so I pray that you would give us that mindset and that approach that we wouldn't be looking down on a culture because they're different. Lord, help us to understand and see why you talk about this idea of being clean and unclean so much in the Old Testament. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen. When I was a kid, it was a long time ago, um, we used to play, all you kids that are here, we used to play in this place called The Outside. It was incredible. There's oxygen out there that's not recycled. Um... And one of my favorite memories I have as a young child, I was probably about seven or eight, is going to my aunt's house, my, my Aunt Gail and Uncle John, and we dug a hole in the ground, kids, once again, with this tool called a shovel. We just <laughs> dug, and we dug, and we dug, and Uncle John helped us, and we dug this pit. It was about the size of, like, that jacuzzi, but it was just a pit in the dirt, and then we filled it with water. And you can't do this nowadays because uh, it just doesn't seem right in my brain. Like, I'm not letting my kids do this in my backyard because I don't have big high fences. But we just stripped down the way that God made us, and we jumped in this mud pit. And we were, like, just playing in the mud. And it was, this is, like, California mud, so we were, like, having mud fights. But if you've ever been to California, you know that it's a mud-slash-rock fight, okay? So we're throwing mud, rock hits you in the face, just having the time of our lives. And then we get out, and we're starving. We're just three, me and my two cousins. 
We're there. We're covered in mud. We're naked. We're ready to go in and eat food. And my Aunt Gail says, get cleaned off first. And we're just there, covered. Just little kids. So we go over to the mud pit and start splashing off our hands because, you know, the water on top is not thick. It's just murky. So we cleaned off our hands. We dipped our feet in. We went back to Aunt Gail and said, can we come in and have lunch now? Still mud from here to here. And just chocolate milk looking water on my hands and our feet. She said, no, no, go clean yourself off again. So we went back to the pit again. This time we're splashing each other. Get the chunks off. Once again, she says, go clean yourself. And, and this kept playing out because, one, obviously we were three dumb kids. We didn't know where the hose was. We didn't understand what she meant when she said clean, us, clean ourselves off. We thought if we get the chunks of mud, the majority of the mud off, then we're probably fine. And, and I feel like today as we read this passage, too many of us are going to be thinking about our own uncleanliness. And we're going to say, well, I've got most of the chunks out of my life of things that I know make me unclean before God. And by the way, unclean does not necessarily mean sinful. I just want to point that out. But to approach God, we have to have a cleanliness about us. So here it is, Mark 1.40. If you didn't find it by now, it's, I've, you would have waited too long. And a leper came to him, to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Immediately, the leprosy, the skin disease, left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in a desolate place and people were coming from every quarter. Today I want to talk about what it means to be clean. And I know as we're going through this series, you would think in this text, if you're applying this directly today, I would give everyone an opportunity to come be prayed for if you have a skin disease, right? I don't know how many people here have skin diseases or are familiar with skin diseases, but I'll tell you what, um, I'm a germaphobe, like in the worst way. Example one, when I shake your hand on Sundays, this is me in my head. One person, two person. When I get to 10, I go sanitize because y'all are nasty and I don't trust you. I'm 10 shakes, sanitize. So if you, if you shake my hand in the morning, you say, I say, sorry, I just sanitize. That means I've shook 10 people's hands. And if it gets really bad, like after second service, I'm washing and sanitizing because I don't know which one is cleaner. Some people say don't sanitize too much, but I'm like, hospitals have it. Today we're not going to have you come up for, for prayer about skin disease because this passage is about so much more. Who in here, if you pick all 66 books of the Bible, who in here would say Leviticus is their favorite? It just lights them up with joy. Nobody? Nobody? Okay, who in here has read the book of Leviticus? Just be honest. Jesus is watching. Don't lie. Liars burn in hell. Okay, okay. Leviticus is one of the hardest books of the Bible to read. If you start reading the Bible in January, Leviticus is what makes you quit in February. 
Because you get there and you're like killing animals, sacrificing for this. And then from chapters 10 until 15, it's just these laws about unclean things. Don't eat these animals like pigs. That's how I knew I couldn't have made it as a Jewish person because that's unreasonable. Don't touch any dead things. That like you just, if you touch a dead animal, you're unclean for a set period of time. That means most of the rednecks in here are unclean most of the time. Like during hunting season, I get these pictures texted to me. Look at what we killed. Look at what we killed. And they're holding it proud. Like they're like on a rum commercial with a deer head. I'm thinking, you're unclean for seven days, Frank. (laughs) Unclean. Don't touch Frank. He has not gone through the purification process in Leviticus. But, but why? What's the deal? What's the deal with this touching dead things, eating these certain types of animals, staying away from blood, not touching or getting near sexual discharges before going into the, the temple of God? Like, this is weird. Let me ask you a question. This is a trick question, so don't answer or you'll look like a fool. Can sin... Be in the presence of God. Don't answer. I know that if you grew up in church, you're thinking, no, 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 sin cannot be in the presence of God. Okay, now you can answer. If you've ever, have you heard that phrase, sin cannot be in the presence of God? Have we heard it? Someone's heard it. Okay, so you've heard it, but your parents haven't. So one of you guys are lying. Yeah, he said yes. I've heard it. Can sin be in the presence of God? Can it? Are, you, are we sure? This is pretty tentative. That's like when I ask my kid if that's the answer to that question, and he goes, yes? <laughs> are we sure? Sin can be in the presence of God. Because I've, I've been taught a lot. I don't know. Charlie, you were a pastor for like 100 years. Can sin be in the presence of God? He was a pastor in his previous... Never mind. That was just mean. Sorry, Charlie. Been a pastor for a long time. Sin can be in the presence of God. Satan goes into God's presence when he's talking about Job. And it's weird that we, we think about God like, if sin were near, God's like, ah, I can't be in my presence. Or is it just like, I will wipe you out. But there is this idea of approaching God in the Old Testament, going to connect with God in the holy place, in the place where it's all about the creator who gives life and sustains life. He set up these rules. And And it may seem weird to you because we don't have really a lot of places in our culture that have this type of rule system. We do have one. Uh, My wife's had some surgeries uh, on her brain. And and one of the things about surgeries, has anyone here had a surgery before? Surgery, right? Um, Is that it's a a holy place. It's set apart. Holy means set apart. Because more people have probably been to a hospital than have been in an operating room. In that operating room, there are special requirements. One, uh, if there's a sick person usually that needs some sort of healing. And then there's a doctor. And the doctor and the nurses and the staff, they have to go through something before they're in that room and active, right? What do they have to do? They have to sterilize themselves. So first they get student loan debt, and then they sterilize themselves. They, they do that thing. They scrub their arms, like all the way up to the elbows, pretty much how I wash my hands after a Sunday service. Scrub in. 
and then they go in. Now, here's what none of us wants. You don't want to be going in for your surgery, meeting the doctor, having your surgery that day, and the doctor's just like... (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to be there with a nurse who's sneezing into her arm while your chest is open and you're getting a heart transplant. You don't want, if you're my wife, you don't want to be getting a brain surgery and have the doctor there with the most delicate tools just go, sorry guys. (laughs) And we know this. It's like common sense in our brain, right? Because that will kill them. That will infect them. But we've forgotten that this is what the Jewish culture was. If you were unclean, you weren't to go near God in his temple place, in his central place, because that was a place to celebrate his life and life-giving power and sustaining of all things that he cares for. So it makes sense that you wouldn't like touch a dead animal and then walk into the Holy of Holies. If someone touched a dead animal, okay, hypothetical, you need surgery, you're getting it today. Somebody over here, they're bleeding. They wrap up some stranger's blood cut. They wrap up their own cut because they got in an accident. Somebody died. They pick them up, and they put them over here. They haven't done anything sinful yet, but they're getting blood all over them. They've touched a dead thing, maybe a dead animal. And then they come over, and without washing their hands, they say, I'm here for you. I'm going to treat you now. Just crusty, dirty. You'd be like, dude, get away from me. I say that to my children just after they sweat. They come in, they're like, Daddy, give me a hug. And I'm like, get away from me. Dove soap, shower, 30 minutes minimum. There's this idea that we just don't track with. This uncleanliness. I'm not going to mention the sexual thing because there's too many children here at this service right now. So maybe second service will get the sex talk. But I, I love what Jesus does to the leper, the unclean person, the person who should have been outside because leprosy was one of these things where it was an ongoing condition for many of the people at this time. So you couldn't get clean. It wasn't like you touched a dead animal. You can go through the seven days of purification. You'd kill this, get the blood, sprinkle it on you, be clean, go outside the camp. No, this was a disease that came from the inside and worked its way out. And you could see it on people. In our culture, we have our own versions of leprosy. Or you avoid people because of something they may appear to have or be. God always does something very beautiful in the midst of unclean people. He moves toward us. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah saw a vision of the Lord high and lifted up in his throne. Train of his robe filled the earth with glory, filled that throne room. And Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I come from an unclean people. And God sends an angel to take a coal and purge his lips. The story of Jesus and the unclean woman. There's Jesus walking through a crowd. And and his friends were were pressing in on him. And he was trying to make his way to help a girl who was sick. And the crowd's pressing in. And a woman who had been having her menstrual cycle for 12 years reaches in the crowd and just touches his robe. And Jesus feels power, leave him, the Bible says, and he turns around and says, who touched me in a crowd? And the woman was terrified because here's what it meant to be unclean. If you were unclean and you touched someone, they became unclean. And in that moment, 
There had to be an extreme fear because she now touched a rabbi with her constant un- state of uncleanliness. Because she was bleeding, she touched him. And, and he just says, you're, you're healed. Get up. There was no judgment. There was no anger. I remember um, in, in high school, I was in a choir. And we would do all sorts of these concerts around during Christmas time. We had a great Christmas program. And one of the first one, I mean, this one is just glued in my brain. Uh, I grew up in the 80s. So in the 80s, for those of you who are old enough, do you guys remember like how big of a deal AIDS was? And how much so many people didn't understand what AIDS was? Okay, um, so that stigma was still around in the 90s a little bit. Like it's going away, but there's still this stigma. Like we don't like it's weird. And we went and did a uh, a concert at a hospice uh, or like a home for AIDS and HIV um, patients. And we sang, and uh, and I I just become a follower of Jesus. I think at this time. So this is my senior year. We did this concert, and we're going in, and some of my classmates are just freaked out. They're thinking. This is so weird, like, do we touch them? Because usually we'd go to these old folks' homes, and we would just, like, hug up on them. Be like, oh, Merry Christmas, back when you could say that. And then um, <laughs> and we went to this, this AIDS, HIV home, and we sang. And when we were done, you could tell all of us were wondering, like, what do we do? What do we do? And in my head, I'm praying, like, Lord, you went out and touched the leper. You went out and touched the leper. Jesus, you went out and touched the leper. Now keep in mind, this is my internal dialogue. I'm sitting there in my tuxedo just thinking, Jesus went out and touched the leper. And it was this buildup till I could finally be like, and it was probably the most awkward. You know those people that are just bad huggers? I'm not a bad hugger. If you hug me and I know you, I will, I got long arms. So I will envelop you and tickle myself. But that hug, I was, my first hug is just, and I'm like, I didn't die. And the whole time I'm thinking, well, I got cuts right here. I got a cut right here. Should I, you know, but by the end, I just thought, this is dumb. I'm going to die eventually. And no one here is being nice. We're being just rude. We sang these beautiful songs about Jesus. And now we're like not acting like Jesus. And they don't have to because not all of them were believers. This is a high school choir. So in the end, I just said, you know what? Forget it. Someone give me a Band-Aid, unused. I'm going to put this on and I'm going to go hug everybody. So I literally got a Band-Aid because I was still pretty nervous. But then I just started hugging people like gangbusters. Like not a leg hug, but just hugging. Have you... Do you realize how, how powerful touch is? Jesus touched the leper. The leper said, are, are you, if you're willing, you can, you can clean me. You can make me clean. And it said, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched what is untouchable. When that woman touched him, she didn't infect him with uncleanliness. He infected her with cleanliness. In the parable of the prodigal son, the son had just played with these pigs and made him unclean. He unfit to go into the place of the holy of holies, unfit to go to the temple. But in that story, the father who 
is a picture of God runs to the Son and embraces Him and clothes Him. God wants to make the unclean things in your life clean. The things that you think exempt you from being loved by God, the things that you think have disqualified you from coming into God's presence, you're not made right by your discipline. You're not made right by your ability to go back to the mud pile of your works. It's when Jesus stretches out his hand and says, you're clean. You don't get cleaned up by going to church. You get cleaned by Jesus so that you actually want to go to church. The Pharisees, the religious people in Jesus' time, they had this problem. Jesus said, you Pharisees clean the outside of your cup to look shiny, but the inside of your cup is nasty. That's a paraphrase of the Greek. You're full of greed and wickedness. If you humble yourself, notice the leper didn't say, Lord, you must heal me. He said, Lord, if you will. Not if you can. He knew that Jesus could. He said, if you will. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Today, some of you have areas in your life that you know you've been coming week after week just feeling unclean because something's not right in your life. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You can't overcome that by trying harder, by disciplining your life more. The only way to be made clean is to come to Jesus in all humility. John 15, 3 says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Psalm 51, 7 says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Fun fact, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus is on the cross in the Old Testament to be cleansed of an uncleanliness, part of many of the rituals was taking a hyssop branch, dipping it in the blood of the sacrificed animal and sprinkling it on the person to say, this animal died to make you clean. When Jesus was on the cross, in three of the Gospels, it said they put a sponge with wine on a stick and they lifted it up to Jesus' mouth. Guess what kind of wood that stick was made out of? Starts with an H and rhymes with isop. The same type of branch that they would use for the sacrifice in the Old Testament, they, they put up to Jesus' bloodied and battered face on the cross. It was there that we were purged and made white as snow, not based on you beating yourself up, based on Jesus getting beat up and killed for you. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God does the creating of a clean heart. God makes new again a right spirit within us. 1 John 1.9, we read this all the time. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So my question is, will you humble yourself today? That's it. To be clean. Or will you continue to do these things and to walk in this attitude that says, I can do it on my own. I've been trying out this new thing. I, I'm, I had a great meeting with a pastor this week. You know when someone does something weird to you and you're not prepared for it? This is my meeting this week. met with Len, your buddy. He's like, we're going to pray. I'm like, yeah, because we're pastors. That's what we do. And dude grabbed my hand in the creepiest way. I'll grab your hand because it will be creepy. He grabbed my hand with his hand, and then he put my, his other hand on it like this. And he held my hand with both hands like I was a hand prisoner. And I had a free hand. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, Lord, do I double grab him? Do I put it on his shoulder? And he said, I just want you to know that I'm going to pray for you. And as he's praying for me, it was the weirdest thing. I felt like 
this guy actually cared for me. I felt like he was trying to take all of his love and all of his energy and just pour it into my life. He's an older pastor. He's been here for like 21 years. And I was, I was like, I'm so encouraged. Just pour it in. It's so amazing what physical touch can do. You know what happens to babies who aren't touched? They die. You know what happens to uh, marriages where the spouses don't touch each other? Marriage dies. Like that's a reason to kick your spouse in your sleep. That's a reason to cuddle. I don't care if you've been married for one year or 20 years. Like just cuddle. In Jesus' name. Jesus understands the power of touch. I'm stealing Pastor Len's hand thing. When I pray for people, I'm going to go double awkward hand energy shot. Because that's what Jesus did to the leper. Always reaching out and touching those and embracing those and being close to those. And he's doing it and calling you today. Saying if there's something in your life, here's all it takes. Believe that I died for you. And I will come into your life and make you clean. You may say, but I'm still going to sin. I'm still going to mess up. I'm still going to have this anger issue. I'm still going to drink. I'm still going to do this, whatever it is. Jesus says, no, no, I will make you clean. I create a new heart. I will make new again your spirit. But it starts with being humble before God. Will you be humble today? Let's pray. If, you're, if you've been unclean, and if you know, like, my life is not right with God, I, I want to give you an opportunity today just to make your life right with God. And this prayer is not magic. It doesn't work. It doesn't save you. What saves you is Jesus. But it starts with a prayer of humility. And if that's you, you can just pray something like this in your head and heart. God, I have tried to do things my own way. I've tried to keep control of my life. I've tried to be religious on the outside, but I'm dying on the inside. Lord, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus died for me, and I want a new life, Lord, a clean life from the inside out. Help me to know what it means to, to, to follow you, to be someone who is pleasing to you in Jesus' name. All God's kids said, Amen.